0: i love you lord for your mercy never fails me all my days i've been held in your hand from the moment that i wake up until i lay my head shall we pray father in the name of jesus We thank you for qualifying us for life. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for not giving up on us. We thank you for loving us with an everlasting love. We thank you for healing. We thank you for protection. We thank you for deliverance. We thank you for sustenance. We thank you for salvation. We thank you that we can call you Father and that you call us your children. We pray. And may Christ and me be exalted in our meeting, and our discussion tonight. In the name of our Lord Jesus, Amen. Well, we thank God for another opportunity to work the work of Him who has sent us while it is day. But definitely the night season of our life will come where we will not be able to work. We are starting after about nine weeks. We are finally done with rightly divided and I believe that you will take your time and go back and listen. Any parts that have clear or any part you want to give your suggestion, feel free to contact us. So tonight we are beginning a new study. Hopefully it'll be the first <laughs> time we'll be doing a single episode. So hopefully it's not be a series. So, yeah, the title of tonight's discussion is Hated by All, Loved by One. Hated by All, Loved by One. It's a title that um, I got at the church I was out all night. And as the minister was ministering, I coined up uh, this title for a study that I would like to share with us all. Hated by all and loved by one. You know, sometimes when God turns our life around, you know, the psalmist says that, and when He turned again our captivity, we are like them that dread. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with rejoicing. Then said he among the heavens, the Lord has done a great thing. The Lord has done a great thing, wherefore we'll be glad. You see, God has a way of turning your life around that many people cannot believe the battles you have had in the past. To your present glory. That's why Paul tells us that the present-day sufferings are not worth to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed. Tonight we want to look at one man that almost everybody who is affiliated to the Bible, if you're asked to give um five people that you admire in the Bible, so right now just list in your head at five people that you admire in the Bible, let's say accept Jesus. And I'm sure this man will be part of the five if not in the top three. So this man's life is one that has been greatly admired by almost all. He's one of the people that as I said, almost every Christian would include in his top five people. In fact, God kind kind of included him in his top five people. But because God so mightily used him, God so mightily blessed him, God so mightily turned his life around. Sometimes we lose sight of the seasons of life he went through. We lose sight of the battles he had to go through. We can't even reconcile the battles he went through and the glorious state he found himself in. That's how sweet the promised land can be. Sometimes when you look at some people, maybe some rich people, and you listen to them and they used to say that maybe some time ago, they could afford a three square meal, Or some time ago, they used to wear one piece of trousers or they had no shoe. You just look at the man standing there and you look at the story they're telling you, and you find it so difficult to reconcile the two images. And that's one thing that's leading me to this study. So, you want to study about a man who was hated by almost everybody except one person. And I'll reserve his name (laughs) until we get to that part. But then, one of the default that Adam gave us by disobeying God was our cravings for the applause of men. You know, after Adam disobeyed God, a lot of things changed. In fact, almost everything changed. Our relation with God changed. Our relation with Christian changed. Our relation with ourselves changed. Our mentality, everything about us changed, And a lot of things happened or were downloaded in this flesh. One of the thing that happened to this human flesh is that it is normal for human beings to be forgetful and ungrateful. So, forgetfulness and ingratitude is a default setting in man or in the flesh. So, do not be shocked when people are ungrateful to you or they forget you in It's not something big, it was the default setting in the flesh. So, it takes holy who live life controlled by the Holy Spirit that are able to overcome this limitation in the flesh. This flesh, a default setting of this flesh, is selfishness. We are all thinking about ourselves, we are all thinking about our stomachs, satisfying our stomachs. The default setting of this flesh is to run away from God. We are the only um, um, sick patient that run away from doctors, but I think nowadays the patients run away from doctors. The natural thing is for patients to run to doctors. But we are diagnosed of sin, yet still we are running away from the doctor of sin. And one of the default settings Adam introduced into this flesh is our cravings for the applause of men. We like to be applauded by men. So Jesus said in John 12:43 that talking about the Pharisees, he used the phrase for them, John 12:43. He said, they love the praises of men. They love the praises of men. Talking about the Pharisees, it is a nature or is a characteristic of the human nature. And it can be seen in Pharaoh. Pharaoh stretched out his hand. A time came in the life of the church. Pharaoh stretched out his hand and killed James. And immediately he did he saw that it pleased the people. He saw that the people were clapping for him. They were appreciated what he did. So the Bible said because of that, he stretched forth his hand to kill Peter too. this time around when he took Peter the church remembered to pray so just because of the applauses and the praises of men Pharaoh wanted to kill people that's how serious it is Pharaoh wanted to kill people just because of the applauses and the praises of men as I said it's a default in the human nature it's one of the cravings of this human body we love to be applauded by men so one of the things or one of the trainings or one of the dealings of the Spirit and the dealings of our Father with us is to desensitize us from the praises of people. Is to desensitize us from the fans and the applause of people. One of the things God likes to do or one of the trainings, or one of the boonings or the thing that God wants to cut off from your life is to be dependent on the praises of people. That is why Jesus himself again said in Matthew 6 that when you want to do good, do not let the left hand see what the right hand is doing. And he went on to say in the verse that people do certain things just because they want men to clap for them, just because they want men to recommend them, just because they want men to give them facts. And Jesus made a very interesting statement. He said that those who do these things and get the applauses of men, they have already received their reward but those who do things secretly their reward is of God so making yourself available or craving the applause of men is to decrave a name of the world like that but is to cut off yourself from the praises of God that's why the Bible says that friendship with the world is enmity with God so the only way to be friends with um, God is to be enemies against the world or the only way to be an enemy of the world is to be a friend with God. So the only way to get the applause or to appreciate the applause of God is to desensitize yourself from the applauses of men. So Jesus again said in John 5.41 that I do not receive glory for men because he knew all men. I do not receive glory for men because he knew all men what did he know about men or about the applauses of men? He knew that the applauses of men were temporal, mostly insincere, and deadly misleading. The applauses of men are mostly insincere, they are temporal, and they are misleading. So you realize that somebody can clap for you today, and you would be shocked to know that the person is not clapping for you because they're just appreciating what you want to do. But the person is clapping for you because he wants to set you up for a downfall the person is clapping for you not because he genuinely appreciates the effort or the stride you have made but the person is clapping for you because everybody around is looking at the person to see if the person will clap for you the person is clapping for you but just within the slightest moment, that same person will be going around your back to bring you down. It's like when Jesus is going to bring up Lazarus from the dead, thinking that when he stood out of the grave and said, Lazarus come forth, people would actually believe as a challenge. The guy, he be the guy. But interestingly, immediately that happened, the next verse, the Bible said that Charlie. The Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, they turned aside and they went to plot the downfall of Jesus. But you might be surprised that as Lazarus was jumping out of the cave, these men, because everybody was around, they were clapping for Jesus' and Immediately they left the scene, they went to plot his downfall. So, Paul called the applause of men vain glory. Vain glory. And sadly, because of what Adam did, it has become one of the default cravings of this flesh. We desire vain glory. We desire the applauses of men. And this, if you want to look at one man that I believe God had to take him through certain seasons to teach him something, certain seasons to desensitize him from craving and from depending on the applause of men. So he was a man who was hated by almost everybody and loved by one person, and that is God. And I'm talking about (laughs) who than the man after God's own heart, King David. You see, many of you are now trying to um, go into your archives to see which people or who are the all that hated David. And let's take a small journey in the life of David, and you realize that almost everybody hated David. Almost everybody in the close circle of David hated him, starting from his very own family. His father Jesse did not really believe much in him. As the potential that was deposited in him, and I've said it before, another three classmate. That when you are supposed to leave your elder children in the wilderness, you are taking a 16-year-old into the wilderness. And I'm sure it was not when he was 16 or 17 that he was sent into the wilderness. I'm sure by age 12, age 13, age 14, you are leaving this boy in the wilderness with lions and bears. <laughs> And when he comes back home, you immediately allow him to rest. You send him to the battlefield to get and give his brothers food. Now, talking about a man who his brothers despised him, and when he went to the battlefield and he asked his brothers, now, what is going on here? He said, you keep quiet, you stubborn boy, who have you left those few sheep? You see, the brothers said, you have left those few sheep. So they even recognize that the job that David was doing was linear. David was not appreciated or accepted by his father, Jesse. He was not appreciated and accepted by his brothers. Even the prophet who has never made a mistake before, prophet Samuel, the prophet who the Bible said, and word from the mouth of Samuel ever fell to the ground. In fact, from the body of Scripture, they are not giving any portion of Scripture that you could say clearly, that Samuel, eh, if I should say. Maybe, I think, with the raising of his children. I, I'm not sure if my memory says me right. But I think Samuel also repeated the same error as Ellie with the raising of his children. And one of the notable things about Prophet Samuel was that he himself, he talks twice about David. So it took God to tell him that, hey, everybody you are seen is not a man, but there is a boy in the wilderness. And look at it. When Samuel saw the firstborn of Jesse, he said, surely this man be the one. But when David came, somebody said anything, he said, Hey, God, <laughs> this is the one you're accusing among all the people. <laughs> David just quietly anointed him. It's like a mother who is waiting for the daughter or the son to bring a future well, son-in-law or daughter-in-law. And maybe the child has been hyping, I have found Mr. Right or I found Mrs. Right. Just for your daughter or your son to bring, they say, Hey, go. Cool. This is the best thing you found? You <laughs> went to university for what, four years, six years, we didn't find the guy. This is the one you brought. (laughs) So even Samuel may have had his doubts about David. So his father did not appreciate him. His brother did not appreciate him. His pastor, Prophet Samuel, did not appreciate him. His boss, King Saul, did not appreciate him. King Saul was pursuing after this guy with all that he had. So at home, David is not having peace. At church, David is not having peace. At work, David is not having peace. Thinking that the story will end, this guy finally gets a wife and even his own wife Micaiah despised him. So after he brought back the Ark of Tabernacle and he was rejoicing and dancing before the making of Jerusalem, the wife called him and said, are you a king or are you are a village boy? How dare the king dance before this common people of Israel? And David gave a wonderful sermon that the God who chose me above your fathers, he did not deem it likely to do. So even his wife, even at home, David was not appreciated and accepted. So then the plan would be let him become the boss. So David was able to work his way through the ranks of kingship. And finally he became the king of Israel. Even that, some of his counselors rebelled against him. One of them... Is who we call Ahitophel. Uh, the man that the Bible said that when this man gives you an advice, it's as though God has given you an advice. The counsel of Ahitophel was as the counsel of God. If people like this are turning against you, then David is in trouble. His cabinet ministers, his counselors were turning against him. His counselors were to form allies with his sons who were rising up against him to dethrone him from the city and to dethrone him from the throne, hated by all, loved by one. His own sons rose up against him, not even one of them or two of them. Absalom, them one, his son drove him out of his own kingdom. Can you imagine your son driving you out of your business? Absalom went into exile for about two years and he found his way, he built his way back into the kingdom. When David finally accepted him to come into the kingdom, he plotted against David. Ah! Even his own son did not like it, thinking that everything was over. Oh, People like Shimei, Shime. when David was running away from Absalom, he met a guy called Shimei. S-H-I-N-E-I. This guy was kissing him. David was at, almost at the lowest point of his life. Yet the people were even beating him. So when he was a king, people were rebelling and hating against him. When he was sacked from his own kingdom, people were cursing him. When will this man ever get rest? In his old age, when finally he has accomplished, he has served God's purpose for his generation that is about to bow out. And he had ordained that Solomon would be his heir. Then arose his fourth son, Adonijah. Hey, Papa David. You as a teenager, you are not getting peace. As a servant, you are not getting peace. As a king, you are not getting peace. As a Sadawi king, you are not getting peace. As an old man, a plotted a kind of coup to overthrow the father's decision of Solomon to be the king. Hated by all. So in every season and cycle of life that David found himself, he was hated. But there's only one person who loved him. He said, I have found David, my servant, and with my holy oil have I anointed him. I have found David, a man after my own heart. Hated by everybody was only God. And to some extent, Jonathan, that loved David, an anointed man, the only man ever in the Old Testament. To cast out evil spirits from person, Elisha, with all his power, could not drive out evil spirits. Moses, with all the wonders, could not drive out evil spirits. Elijah, Elisha, all the prophets, none of them. But this type of unique anointing, can you imagine the HP anointing upon David's life? Despite the anointing upon his life, everybody around him hated him. A man who was so anointed that he could. Recite the words of the Messiah on the cross, thousand years before the time. Hey, this one is prophet. His prophetic accuracy is actually dope. (laughs) Such a heavily anointed man. And some of us, we are not trying to reconcile this thing because many of us have not appreciated the rejection, the hatred that David went through. So when you look at the Psalms, you see how David was saying that Charlie, people might come for. My enemies are rising up against me. My sons, my wife, my boss, my pastor, my brothers, my father, my cabinet ministers. The people I am trusted are rising up against me. But God was teaching this guy through all these seasons that you need the applause of the one that is me. So God was through these seasons of life, this sense of tithing David to be dependent on the praises of people. Galatians chapter 1 verse 10. Paul made a very interesting discovery, <laughs> if I should say. Galatians 1 and verse number 10. And I think this is a scripture that we should memorize. I hope you have not forgotten 2 Timothy 2, 15. I hope you have not forgotten Romans 8, 14. I hope you have not forgotten all these wonderful scriptures. So let's add one to that collection. Galatians 1 and verse number 10. Papa Paul is speaking here, he For do I now persuade men or God or do I now seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be a servant of God. That was the King James Version. Let's take another version of the Bible just to help us with the understanding. Galatians 1 verse 10. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God or am I trying to please people? For if I were trying to please people, I would not be a servant of God. So just as friendship with God is enmity with man, pleasing God is refusing to please men. Living for the applauses of God is refusing to live for the applause of men. So again, Matthew 6, Jesus said that if you do your good deeds, says, if do not be like the Pharisees who like to make a public show of their good deeds. When they do that and people praise them, God sees you say that is their reward. They have gotten their reward. But when you don't hear the Pharisees, God himself will please you. So accepting the praises of men or doing things to claim for the praises of men is rejecting the praise of God. And Paul is saying that anybody who wants to be a servant of God cannot please men. They are immiscible liquids. <laughs> they are like oil and water. They cannot mix. <laughs> I hope I'm not forgetting your chemistry. Separation of mixtures. <laughs> they are immiscible, and this is one thing that everybody should have engraved in your heart, because God will take you through seasons of loneliness. Everybody that God called will experience a season of loneliness. Everybody that God used experienced a season of loneliness, a season where you learn to heighten your senses for the praises of God and you decrease your appetite for vain glory. Many of us are too dependent on people's praises. In fact, that is the only thing that gives us motivation. So many of us, we cannot motivate ourselves to do anything if people are not looking at us. That is why for many of us, we cannot pray when we are on our own. That's why for many of us, we cannot fast when we are on home. That's why for many of us, we cannot live for God when we are on our own. That's why for many of us, we cannot invest in reading the Bible when we are our, when we are our own. Because we always seem to be dependent, overly dependent on people. And I would like to share with us um, five... Reasons or five goodies that you rob yourself of, if you are one that depends on the praises of people. The first thing you rob yourself of is that you become addicted to the applauses of men, and immediately you become addicted to the applauses of men. You cannot do anything on your own. So the, the proverb says that if a man falls in the day when he's alone. That means that his strength is weak. And you need to appreciate that the road to pleasing God, the road to greatness is a lonely road. Even if putting Bible or the Christian work aside, look at all people who are making it in the industry of or in various sectors, in the sector of science, of sports, of technology, all of them have a particular style of life when they have to believe in themselves. And that is what gave David confidence when he faced Goliath. He knew he did not have the reports of men to go and tell him so. So his only evidence or his only tensions were animals. So when he stood before him, so he said, that, Hey, my work experience is that I have dealt with lions and bears, so I can deal with Goliath. And you know the funny thing about that story? For 40 days, Goliath has been terrorizing the people. And for 40 days, the army of Israel will come and stand there and look at Goliath to make him move. But after David took Goliath down, the Bible said immediately the armies of Israel arose and they charged upon the Philistines. But when David was facing Goliath, he faced it alone. And if you are addicted to the praises of men, you cannot deal with the Goliath of life. That is why many of us. We start so many things, but we give up along the way because we don't seem to be able to gather in our energy on our own. That is why David, oh, I love this man here. Eh? A time came when David went to war, I think in Gilead, and he came back, and the Philistines had ridden his wife and his children, not just his, but all the men with him, and the Bible said, and the men that David was with wanted to kill him. Can you imagine? Imagine like you have started a company and you told your friend, that Charlie, leave your company. Come and join me. Let's do this together. And as we we're doing this thing, maybe you made a wrong move or we didn't even make a wrong move. Maybe something happened. Government came in and they said, you don't have something, something happened and you lost everything. Now all your employers are looking at you or all those you convinced to come and work with you are looking at you and saying, Charlie, we have children, fees to pay. We have feeding to do. David was at a low point in his life and his own people wanted to kill him. But the Bible said, and David encouraged himself. You see, you must be able to do that alone because there are going to come a time in your life where you would stand alone, whether it be in a world of business, whether anywhere, any career, any path of life you choose, the path to greatness in any area of life, there is a section, there's a junction called the path of loneliness. And anybody who doesn't know how to encourage himself, you will remain on the ground. So, are, and David, and oh, I love that thing. Can you encourage yourself? God has given you a dream and you are pursuing that dream, but it seems like you are not getting the applause you need. And everybody who seemingly believes in your mission at the beginning is leaving you. Can you encourage yourself in the Lord? But many are unable to encourage themselves in the Lord because they have become addicted to the praises of men. Look at the way we begin to do skills when we are singing. If there are some minister, Imagine you sing one line and everybody starts to clap. Then, no, the flesh will enter. You start to do scales. Ooh, 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 ooh. Maybe that was not even part of the script, But there's a certain effect that the applauses of men has upon us. And whenever we enter that season where nobody is clapping for us, but now they're, they're scheming against us, can you encourage yourself in the Lord Because of the many seasons of loneliness that we went through, when they had taken away his wife and his children and those of those and those of the men that he was with, he was able to encourage each Himself in the Lord, I pray for everybody listening. That in that junction of loneliness, when even maybe your spouse, your best friend, your mate doesn't believe in you, when you find the grace and the strength to encourage yourself. When God has given you a dream, and it seems like the dream is making you a public radical, and everybody is despising and rejecting you, may you find the grace to encourage yourself in the Lord. When you want to live the Christian life and everybody is saying that you have an expiry date, you are just making the show. May you find the grace to encourage yourself in the Lord. The second reason why you need to go through this season is for us to appreciate the comfort of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's very interesting that one of the main needs, if I should say, giving to the Holy Spirit is our Comforter, And I found it very, very interesting If God is saying that I'm going to send you a Comforter, what does it mean? It means that you'll be feeling comfortless in this world. (laughs) So God by sending us a Comforter is giving us a signal that in this world you will feel so alone and comfortless. It is a compulsory season of life. And he knows it. That's why he's not sending you an engineer. He's not sending you a doctor. He's not sending you a teacher. He's not sending you a chemist. He's not sending you a, a physician. He's not sending you an economist, but he's sending you a comforter. Because, sweetheart, there are going to be times when you will question yourself. But if you have become dependent on the applauses of men, you rob yourself from experiencing the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That is why for many of us, whenever we are in a season of loneliness, what we do is to run back to sin. So many of us, maybe your boyfriend left you, at the altar, your fiance left you. The natural response is either to run to alcohol, either to run to drugs, or to run to your ex-boyfriend, or to run to your ex-girlfriend, or to run to that sugar daddy, or to run to that sugar mommy, because we don't know how to experience the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Many of us have not trained our senses to feel when the Holy Spirit is hugging us. Ah, That's because our senses have become so heightened to the applause of men. So we always keep running back to men. Look at your first response whenever you hear bad news is to pick up your phone and to call someone. It's to pick up your phone. Or to pick up your khakis and go somewhere. It's either to go to that bar or to go back to that garment, than for us to soak ourselves and experience the comfort of the Holy Spirit. So many of us have never experienced this before because men have become our hiding place, men have become our refuge, men have become our safe tower instead of God. The third thing we do. But the third thing we rob ourselves of when we become addicted to the praise and the applause and the acceptance of people is that we reject the acceptance and the applauses of god and matthew 6 verse 1 following tells us that that if you do something and your left hand is seeing it and people give you fans and people applaud it meaning you are doing things just to gain the applause of men god is saying that you have already received your reward So I'm sorry, there's nothing much left for you. The fourth reason why you need to detach yourself from that craving is because you become depressed in the season of loneliness. Because with that, there's only an extent to which a man can help you. There's an extent to which a man can help you. You Many times people have had friends who are going through seasons and telling, like, the only thing I can do is to give them words. And I know sometimes I feel so inadequate. Sometimes I just wish I had a magic wand to just stroke and everything will turn around. But with all my compassion I may have had for them, I just realized I'm at the end of the road. And people that have become so dependent on human beings, when no human being can meet you up, the only solution is that you become depressed. Imagine Jesus, I've said this before, that where were the 4,000 people that Jesus fed? That when he was being arrested, nobody could come for his defense. Where were the people that Jesus healed? Where were the 12 lepers that Jesus cleansed? Where were the women and the children that Jesus fed? Where was the woman who Jesus raised back his son? Where were they? But on the cross, nobody was there. save his mother and John. But because Jesus had trained himself not to depend on the applauses of men on the cross he was not depressed you see there's a unique pain you go through when you are there for everybody and nobody is there for you when you are always the shoulder people cry on when your number is always the first people call when you are always the one giving advice giving help and yet when you are in the moment of your weakest nobody is there for you but Jesus, even at that stage, could look down and say, Father, forgive them. Because he said, I do not receive glory from men. And Jesus committed himself to nobody because he knew all men. He knew that Peter would reject him. So when Peter would do him more, Peter it's just a matter of time. And the last reason why we must train ourselves not to depend, not to be addicted to the praise of people, is that it makes us go contrary to the will of God. So Jesus told Peter, after Jesus told him that he's going to die, and Peter said, Charlie, surely, surely, surely you shall not die. Ah, me, Peter, I'm here and he'll come and kill me. Jesus said that, after he rebuked him, he said that you are only mindful of the thing of man, not the thing of God. So God or Jesus at that point was equating the mentality of human beings to the mentality of the devil because you are only mindful of the things of man. So if your life is dependent on the applauses and the fans of human beings, you are surely going to contradict the will of God because the societal trends is almost always contrary to the will of God. If you are always conscious about gaining a certain respectability before people, you cannot please God. If you are always conscious of getting a certain applause before men, you cannot please God. If you are always so cautious of being on the good side of people, you cannot please God. And many people are unable to live the Christian life because they are so concerned or they are more concerned about what people will think about them than what God would. That's why in Galatians 1 verse 10, Pope Paul again said that if I be seeking to please men, I cannot be a servant of God. I pray for us all that maybe we see strength on this lonely road. Maybe we see grace on this lonely road. That even though we may be hated by all, we will know that we are loved by one. You see, it's so sad to see beautiful ladies who have become cheaper than a rag because they are seeking the constant approval of men. When God has demonstrated his love to them, it still doesn't seem to be enough for them. They need people to tell them they are looking beautiful. They need people to tell them they are looking good. That is why they wear all sorts of clothes because they feel inadequate. They think that they are not beautiful or attractive enough. And the only way they can be attractive and appealing enough is to dress indecently. Many ladies have imprisoned themselves because of these things. Because they are hated by all, forgetting that one who loves them. Many people have made the wrong choices in life. Many people have sold out their birthright. Many people have imprisoned and robbed themselves. Because it's always about what will people think about what will God do. And forgetting that the Bible even says that when you live to please God, even your enemies will become your friends. So I think Benji once mentioned on a podcast that the kingdom of God always operates in the opposite. If you want to get or if you want to go up, you go down. So if you want the praise of men, it's not to live for men. If you want men to clap for you, don't live for men, live for God. And God will cause these men to clap for you. That is why the Sabbath says, he will prepare the table before you in the presence of your enemies. It means two things. It means that one, your enemies are the ones who serve you. It means two, your enemies will clap for you whilst you are eating. You don't eat the same food with your enemies. The people that you are seeking to please, if you want men to clap for you, live for God and God will cause these men to clap for you. Be assured of this thing. Seek the approval of God. Seek the fans of God. Seek the applauses of God because there will come a season of life where almost everybody in your circle will hate you. And I pray for you, and I pray for us all, that in such seasons, may we experience the comfort of the Holy Spirit. In such seasons of our lives, may we be sensitive enough to experience the ministry of the Holy Spirit. In such seasons of our life, may we find the grace and the strength to encourage ourselves in the Lord. In such seasons, we find the grace to encourage ourselves in the Lord in such season we find the strength to run to the presence of God for there cometh our help may we not run to men for refuge but may we learn to run to God may we know that there's only one the Bible says that a military man doesn't seek to please none that the one who has enlisted us we have only one aim to please whom he who has called us and at the end of the day we will stand before him the people we are seeking to please we will give account of our lives to them the people we are seeking to impress, they will give account. We will meet them in the keyword judgment day. And they will be tapping us that, hey, you also here. Yes, I'm also here. But the one whom our lives matter before, may we seek to please Him. Father, grant us the grace. Grant us this consciousness. Grant us this mindset that, Father, it's all about you. You are the reason for our existence. You are the motivation for our life. May you only be our desire. Grant us the grace to seek after your will for our life. May we not be man pleasers. May we not be dependent and addicted to the applauses of men. May we learn to build in secret. May we learn to build when nobody's watching us because we know that your eyes sees everything. May we live in the consciousness that you're always watching over us even when men are not watching at us because we know that our good God will bring us out in due season. Our good God will show us out in due season. We do not seek to please men, but we know that you would announce us before men. You will prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Those who laugh at us today will clap for us tomorrow. Those who mock us today will be dumbfounded. Hey, like Nehemiah. Those who say that even when the fox will jump over what we are building, the building will go down. These same men will come when we are having our innovation ceremony because we live to please you. Grant us the wisdom. Grant us the tact, the strategy to maneuver our ways in this life. Grant us the boldness of David. Grant us the the fortitude, the endurance of the when someone doesn't consider us will not be moved, when our family is rejecting us, will not be moved, when our partners are saying that ah, you are disgracing yourself, we will not be moved. When our council members, when I to when Absalom, when Adonijah are coming up against us, we will look up to the hills for their comrades, our help, our help comes from the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. We know that in this we are more than conquerors. We know that in this life, the lights are falling onto us in pleasant places. We know that in this life, we are the light of the world. We are the salt of the world. City set upon the hill, we cannot be hidden. We have been called to influence, we have been called to glory, we have been called to greatness, we have been called to show for the light of Him who has called us out of darkness. We are a king and priest unto Him, we are a chosen generation, we are a royal and a priesthood. And the glory of God is upon our life. It's time for our rush to arise and shine for the light has come and the glory of God has risen upon us. We know this, our confidence. We are not looking to nobody else but God. We know that God, you use men, but we are not dependent on Him. It is you that bring them our way, we don't go chasing after them. Grant us this grace to always remember that it is a living for you that will meet our satisfaction in life. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for not giving up on us. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen and amen and amen. Remember, you may be hated by all, but it, in, it is not an indication that you are hated by God. I pray for you that you will live to please God and He will be your desire. In Jesus' name, amen. So successfully we have been able to do this episode we want so, hopefully, next week, we will we'll go back to our series, part one and two. And I believe God I we'll learn something interesting. God will keep on renewing our minds. And God will keep dispensing unto us grace and faith. Remember to give God your best. And to make sure that the only thing you owe anybody in the year 2021 and beyond is love. See you next week. And bye bye. Bye.